This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave, by golly. And it's still kind of nippy here in the God's country, the pine piney woods of north central Florida. Uh, we'll cover the weather a little bit more exclusively, of course, at the uh, appointed time here in the bottom of the hour. But uh, let me assure you that uh, we're looking right now here where I am. And uh, that's all that matters, of course, in, in the world where you are, right? Uh, it's 35 degrees. So we're hoping we break that, break out of that today and we start to get a little bit more uh, warm temperature, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But we've certainly had a cold snap, and some people actually enjoy it uh, because it's a break from what we brutally have so many months of the year, really hot humidity. In fact, uh, burning fireplaces and things and heat, people's skin starting to dry out now, and they're having to apply the lotion. I've watched this uh, kind of uh, humorously because, you know, we go from feast to famine, it seems like here. Well, today's our great day on Wednesdays when we have our um, friend Ted Yoho come in and chat with you all about uh, whatever's on your mind about just about anything about the government and at all. So um, we're willing to take any chat issues here you've got and take a look at those and uh, um, and uh, see what's what's coming on board here. The um, um, weather, I guess, is a topic. Uh, uh, in the economy, really, Ted, we'll get to it more, but you were raised, of course, in the early part of your life in Minnesota. We were talking about that before we came on the air, yeah. but um, we've really got a, a situation here where um, uh, we've got a lot of deaths out of this thing, and particularly in the Buffalo area and the wind coming off the, the glaciers. You remember we were talking about climate change and government trying right. to run it. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. If that would happen, the government would have stepped in, wouldn't it not? Already, Ted, and uh, uh, fixed it so the, whatever they call this, cyclone or whatever, would have gone the other way. But they right. said they can control that. Yeah. Uh, the climate change has been a big fiscal uh, irresponsibility uh, as far as reasonable people look at it. But it's not the only one. The biggest one, it seems to be on the minds of everyone right now, and maybe we'll get into this, is, uh, this uh, Title 42 or this uh, uh, um, the, the extension by the Supreme Court with a 5-4 vote, which is also very interesting. Um, the conservatives uh, saw the wisdom of this. Um, you know, people don't realize what a tremendous impact Trump has had on um, justices. And this is an excellent example. I think Barrett was a tremendous uh, asset to the Supreme Court, a uh, very reasonable person, uh, clear minded. And she was in the majority vote on this. Uh, you've seen, Ted, of course, government at its gross inefficiencies for years. Is this ever going to get resolved? I know you don't have a crystal ball, but the next step, as I understand this, is this Title 42 is in place until the Supreme Court sometime in the spring decides to discuss it. How's this work? I mean, uh, my opinion, what I see is it, I don't think it'll get resolved unless there's just a strong national leader that paints a map of where America is going because it becomes political fodder that one side, one side uses against the other side in the next election. Oh, you're against Title 42, so therefore you're xenophobic, you're against immigrants, you're anti-immigration. And then the other side, you know, they try to respond to that. You know, we should follow the laws of the land and enforce the laws that are here for uh, migration and allowing people into the country legally. And then you wouldn't have to worry about 42, uh, Title 42. 
and for the Supreme Court, I know when we had um, uh, the Obamacare vote up, uh, it was asked to judge uh, um, Scalia what the outcome was going to be. He goes, he goes, are you kidding me? He goes, I'm not going to weigh in on that. He goes, I'm, that's your job. You guys are supposed to dissolve, you know, fix that problem, not us. And, and I think that's what the courts will do. They're going to punt it back to Congress. You think in the spring they'll do what? They'll punt it back to the Congress? Yeah, they'll just say, you know, they'll, they'll put a, a stay on it or something like that, and it'll have to go back to Congress. Uh, and they'll say, hey, this is your jurisdiction, not ours. Well, we'll have a Republican Congress. We don't have rhinos in, in there, too. Um, I tell you what, that is going to be a legacy of the Trump administration is what he's done. And you, you think of how that's going to affect this country for another 20, 30, 40 years. And it's a good thing. It needed to be adjusted. Well, the uh, White House seems to be, uh, you know, wasn't it a cartoon one time about somebody who always had his head in the sand? Uh, um, seemed like I remember uh, as a kid somehow, some way there was that. And this Biden's... Uh, it wasn't there. I'm just kind of flashing. Back. No, no, you're right. I remember seeing that. It's uh, in fact, it's up there at the Capitol Hill Club, um, and there's that cartoon. But I can't remember who it was. It was one of the presidents. I think was just ignoring it. And you could put Kamala Harris and uh, Joe Biden in there when you talk to them about border security and Mayorkas. Well, that's certainly been the case because Biden. Uh, also, the optics of Biden right now. He's off in the warm weather. <laughs> vacationing while the country freezes. That's been brought up. But the biggest thing is his, uh, uh, I, I, it has to be deliberate, uh, turning of the eye away from the problem. And uh, Trump had gone down into Mexico. Do you recall that? Were you in office or around there when he did this? He went down into Mexico and said, hey, you know, it's not our responsibility to stop this. You guys stop this. Didn't he do that? He sure did. And he was right. I mean, it was exactly right. In fact, I was in Costa Rica and there was a big influx. People would go to coast, you know, come up through the, the Central American states and they would go into Costa Rica. And we we're trying to put pressure on Costa Rica because people were flying out of Costa Rica coming here. And they're putting all this pressure on Costa Rica. And the president we were talking to, he goes, you guys until you fix your immigration laws, this is never going to fix or, you know, until you force them, you're never going to have a fix to this. And so it's us. And then putting the pressure on Mexico, um, you know, Trump did the right thing. Truth be known is about a third of the economy for Mexico is money being repatriated from America. I mean, that's, that's a known fact, you know, um, when you get the intelligence briefing. And so Mexico really doesn't want to fix this. It's, it's um, what was it? It was drug trade and uh, repatriation are the top three uh, um, money sources. So they're really making money off of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's all the interest to do it. Mexico and Central America. It's the money coming back in from our economy. And a lot of that is probably not having all the taxes taken out of it. It'll never benefit our system. And, um, you know, it, it's it's robbing wealth from our country um, and, and uh, displacing it and going down south. Well, it's one of those things that's a can kick down the road, as we say. And uh, meanwhile, I guess they have, to some extent, uh, turned away people now at the border. Um, so be it until we can get some accountability, which um, seems to be um, not the story for the left. I mean, accountability with paying attention to the Constitution or paying attention to uh, rules and regulations uh, has not been the card they play most of the time. Right. Meanwhile, I was going to refer to it. It's pretty interesting. This is coming out of the New York Times, which I always have a skeptical eye about when I look at um, Ted, because I've been interviewed by a reporter on uh, from the New York Times quite extensively about what we discovered here in this area about the uh, voter beep and uh, when the article came out in the New York Times, he talked to me for about an hour. They sent up a photographer, must have taken 100 pictures of me. And uh -huh. when the New York Times article came out, my picture wasn't in there. <laughs> I thought, why'd you bring the lady up here, you know, to take a picture of me? And of course, I couldn't recognize the article. I mean, it didn't ha have any, it didn't sound like anything we talked about. It had a slant to it. And in this case, it was a slant that 
uh, you know, it's voter suppression, any kind of vo uh, voter accountability. Uh, and of course, this is the a northerner writing about the South. And so there's a kind of cliche that informs the northern uh, right. uh, reporter uh, that they come already biased by whether they're aware of it or not. The South is supposed to be a backwards place. You know, uh, I can remember crossing the, the Mason-Dixon line as a little kid and um, uh, with uh, people coming down from the north to um, come down to the south in Florida. And it had me along. And I asked the question, why do the little kids here not have shoes? They all went barefooted. And, and the Northerners said, well, it's because of, it's, they all have worms in the South. <laughs> you know, from going barefoot then. I mean, that was the view. And I kind of felt like when I read the article after the New York Times article came out that they he must have thought I had worms because <laughs> none of what we talked about did he display in the article. But now, with the, uh, so I'm cautious about this, but uh, there's a guy named Nate. Khan, I don't know if you know of him. He's the chief political analyst for the New York Times. And he says that uh, they're trying to analyze Ted, what went wrong with the so-called red avalanche or whatever it was going to be. You know, why did it never red tie? What do we call sure. it? You know, and what, what went wrong? And um, so the, 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 the conclusions are kind of sprinkled through this article. But um, uh Apparently, there is real Republican strength, but it's um, in certain patches, Texas, Florida, um, sprinkle around, you know, and it doesn't coalesce, if you will, around a, a, a kind of constant coalition, if you will. Have you seen that disarray in your, you know, as you're sitting there in Congress, is it that, is, is, as he describes it? There are patches of real Republican strength, but there's no, I'm, what I'm leading up to is the Speaker of the House. Uh, right. Who's going to pull all this disparate stuff together? And first, and is there is he has he got it right? Is it all fragmented? It is fragmented. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you look at Kevin McCarthy's district in California. I think it's an R20 or 30 district. It's one of the most safest in the country. But the reason we didn't get the red wave is you had people like Mitch McConnell and uh, Kevin McCarthy not going, supporting the very people that were the top of the ticket that had won the primaries because they were, um, you know, too radical for them in Congress. And, um, you know, like Mo Brooks, I mean, they should have gone and helped Mo Brooks. Mo Brooks is one of the most constitutional people that would have run for the Senate in Alabama. But Mitch McConnell went after him. Of course, President Trump uh, withdrew his endorsement and endorsed the lady that won. But the biggest reason for that red wave not happening, and they blame it on a lack of good candidates. Well, heck, that happens every election cycle. There's good candidates and bad, but that has never been an issue in the past. The biggest reason are those laws that they changed. And it started when I was my last Congress with Nancy Pelosi's, the People's Choice Act. That passed the House, didn't pass the Senate, but the next Congress, they changed it to the John Lewis Voting uh, Civil Rights Act. And that is the one that allowed for same-day registration, no proof of uh, residency, no, so there, therefore you don't even have to prove you're a U.S. citizen. No signature verification. I mean, think of that. No signature verification. You didn't have to have an ID. And they extended the mail-in and drop, um, drop boxes throughout those big areas that took advantage of the big blue districts. And uh, I mean, until we change those election laws, and I know it's supposed to be up to the states, but until Congress goes in there and changes that and somehow draws that back, we're not, we're going to have a hard time winning elections, the Republican party, because the fix is in for the, I said fix instead of that other F word, the fix is in <laughs> for the, for the them to just take these elections where they have been. I mean, that's to me is pretty cut and dry. You can go back and look when um, Stacey Abrams and them did what they did. And of course, you got to go back to Obama and Eric Holder. When he got out of office, they put together this group that was to change the voting dynamics at the local level, at the county levels, at the state levels that would reflect onto the national level. 
And so that's been in work since Obama got out of office. So that's been eight to 10 years. Well, and, and yet, paradoxically, it seems as if this article suggests that the Republicans still outperform the Democrats in the popular vote. Right. But, you know, so the popular vote is all in favor of the Republicans, but there are pockets that are pointed out in this article, New England, Upper Midwest and Northwest, where the Democrats, if we go check what, against what you just said, we'll probably find the voting rules favorable to a liberalization, if you want to call it that, of accountability of the voter. Yeah. You know, I bet there's a correlation there. You know, I don't know why more studies like that aren't done. You know, I mean, I, I look at the polls. Well, they're just not being reported. It's kind of like the evidence of the voter fixes that were uh, very evident in the 2020 election. Um, the court said, well, there's been no evidence um, um, uh, brought forth to the courts. It was brought forth. The courts decided not to look at it. I mean, there was so much of that going on. I mean, you can look at Georgia. You can look at all those areas where it was going on. I mean, the 2000 Mules uh, documentary was very well done. And you look at the people that were the, the primary people of the information on that. They got picked up by the federal government. Well, I can remember interviewing somebody from the National uh, Speakers Bureau that books with me from time to time, and he was an attorney. And he predicted what, exactly what you just said. He said the courts are not going to get involved with it. And he even took the same position you just took, that therefore there's not going to be any way to validate much of what the results are, but the courts are not going to touch it. And lo and behold, the courts have it. Um, of course, in the New York Times article, um, the red wave absence is blamed on candidate quality. You right. know, just had better candidates. And, and what they're trying to do with that candidate quality is say they were tainted by associations with Trump. You know, this is a steadfast, um, unrelenting um, assassination of Trump's character in order to make per kill this popular vote is my analysis of it. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what they did. They don't like populism because it, it it upsets the apple cart. And you look at the deep state. I mean, you can go back and look at Melania and Donald Trump coming down the escalators at Trump Tower. It started then. The deep state came out. Look at the letters that came out from over 100 admirals and generals saying he's unfit to be the president. They're in the deep state. Look at the 17 intelligence agencies that came out soon after the inauguration and said that there was collusion between Russia and the Trump campaign, which has proven to be false after three and a half years of a circus up there. And, um, you know, the deep state didn't want him in there. So there was character assassination and it's continuing today. Uh, it went right against the constitution, the fourth amendment of, um, um, illegal search and seizures. They did it with him. They, they've done it with so many conservatives it's, it's just, I don't want to say laughable because it's very serious because it's happening in our country. I've got the 27 um, grievances against King George uh, from the colonies here. And it was interesting because one of them is how they just kind of overlooked the laws of the land and put in their own laws to fit their own needs. And they had um, judges and uh, legislators that were um, um, sympathetic to the king. And so they overlooked the laws the way they should be interpreted. And that's what we have going on now. Hearing you. We're hearing you, Tammy. Tammy, we're hearing you. Uh, <laughs> Tammy, <laughs> we may hear something and we don't want to hear in a minute. On a hot mic. Turn your camera on, Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she heard or not, but anyway, she may not have known. Oh, well, there's so many buttons to push in production in. I'm glad I'm not pushing them. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, there we are. I, I, you know, I take the uh, news uh, uh, analysis there from the New York Times with kind of a, as I say, my own experience with them as I couldn't recognize what we talked uh -oh. about. You can expect that out of the New York Times. We got interviewed so many times and the article that came out was kind of the opposite of what we said. <laughs> there's, this, there's this one grievance I want to read for your listeners. It's grievance number nine. 
he, the king, has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their office and the amount and payment of their salaries. <laughs> and you think of the judges that a liberal puts in, like Clinton, Obama, Biden, and then you look at one like Trump puts in there. One follows the rule of law, and the other one's following an ideology. <laughs> um, and I think that's a very dangerous place, and that's why we... That's why the Democrats want to stack the Supreme Court. You know, I know that rhetoric has calmed down now because they're pretty much getting what they want through the legislative uh, fix. Well, it's interesting and it comes up again in the the 42 issue because you can take a look and see who the four were. and uh, Yeah, yeah, you can predict it. It's it's very predictable. That's not good when you have a judge that is uh, predictable and going to find a way to find the conclusion. it's, it's sad, you know, that we don't have, but to become a judge and be approved, they have to survive the political gauntlet of all that interrogation. And a lot of them just don't make it through that, who would have been very good judges. Um, yeah, but those federal judges, you know, that they're appointed for life unless they get removed um, and they get a salary, even if they retire, because they can be called back to the bench. So they keep them. And I think the salary is $250,000 a year or something. It's over $200,000 a year. Got a good friend of mine who's in Congress. In fact, he's the one that wrote that book, uh, the uh, the Miracle of Freedom. And uh, his brother is a federal judge, and he gets he retired, and he still gets his full salary. And I said, "How is that?" And he goes, "Well, in case they need to call him back, they want him to be able to come right back in." I'm like, "Yeah, they can call me back and keep paying me." <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I mean, yeah, really. good golly. It, <clears throat> Uh, the fake laptop, somebody's brought up the fake laptop here with us, um, the fake laptop story, if you will. Um, you know, Congress, you've met, said this many a time, uh, why having a committee that's going to investigate if you're not going to do anything at the end? And it's pretty clear that that's what's happened with the January 6th committee, so-called January 6th. Um, no, you know, it's a wet firecracker, uh, nothing really earth-shaking out of it, a few people who uh, the press played up as, oh, important whistleblower type people, but it wasn't much there to, to, to no, not much whistle to blow, really. Um, Will, you think? Um, so skewed, too. I mean, yeah. that was all one-sided. Um, yeah. I mean, you got Adam Schiff on that committee who, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how that guy's still in Congress. They're railing against that Santos guy that was uh, elected in New York for lying on his resume. What about Joe Biden lying about all the things <laughs> he did? Um, you know, top of his class, you know, did this, did that, plagiarized, never could win a uh, primary until now because of all of his lies, but it never kept him out of office or Adam Schiff, all the lies he told on the uh, uh, Trump uh, Russia hoax that was all proven false. He's still in office. And uh, um, anyways, Got off on a tangent. No, it's not a tangent. It's a very issue. It's what rattles uh, um, people's, unsettles people here in the hinterlands where we are. uh, We live to a higher moral standard than the people who represent us. And it becomes pretty clear it's a one-way street, too. Should a citizen become uh, unhinged in any way, shape, or form? And we have good examples of this. Oath keepers, proud boys have been labeled as insurrectionists when the sober analysis of this is it was just a, uh, a, a riot went askew. Uh, and it's not the first one that's done that in, in uh, Washington. Um, but it's now been labeled, of course, as uh, um, an insurrection. And, uh, um, you know, it's been reasonably concluded that that's what it is. Um, but, uh, you know, when you really look closely, uh, and they try to assume that because Trump watched it on television, what they don't tell us, what I want to, ask you about, and I've heard this so many times, is that Pelosi turned down the National Guard protecting the Capitol several days before this crowd even arrived. Is that is that so? No, that's absolutely true. I mean, that the request was, I can't remember how far out in advance. I want to say six weeks, but it might only have been uh, two, 10 days to two weeks. But it was a definite request that she denied 
And then Paul Irving was the sergeant of arms, which means he's the guy that's in charge of the security for the whole Capitol. He's the head police officer for the uh, Capitol Hill police. He got fired because of the way it was handled. So he was the scapegoat that fell um, at the guillotine um, for the scapegoat for Nancy Pelosi saying all this stuff or denying the troops there. You hit on something that I want to bring up. It's a book I'm reading. It's called If You Can Keep It, written by Eric Metaxas. And it was talking about our government, our form of government. And, of course, the founders and Ben Franklin said, we have a constitutional republic if you can keep it. And it goes back to the virtuous nature that is not inherent in man, but it's something we have to work on you know, to be a better person, to be honest, to do those things, pretty much the Ten Commandments. And, um, you know, that was the only form of people that can keep a republic because you have to be, you know, you have to have you virtues. You have to be um, um, self-policing. You know, you have to do those things. And when we lose those, you lose the republic. And, uh, you know, it's a great book, and it really goes into how this country was formed. And it was uh, talking a lot about the 1730s, you know, way before the revolution, you know, decades. Well, the the journal has an article here too, which I'm looking at. Um, uh, I think it was an opinion piece in the journal of that. The whole objective of this January 6th thing was to prove a conspiracy against the government with Trump as the mastermind. And none of the complicating uh, issues that we're just addressing ever got voiced or entered into the testimony that I know of in the January 6th lengthy and arduous and uh, convoluted type of uh, drawn out uh, existence. Uh, I, I don't know that we ever heard that side of the story. And yet we're no. hearing it out here in a popular world. No, you're not. And you think about the threat that Trump was to the administrative state, you know, all these agencies running things because he was going to clean house of, of the deep state. So now they've gone through, he was in office for four years. He's been out for two, <clears throat> six years of going after this guy. They had the January 6th hearing. They've sent it off for um, uh, criminal charges against Trump for treason or insurrection, whatever you want to call it. So they've got that set up in the House. It's at the attorney general's. He's going to decide what to do. You look at what they're doing in New York with his taxes. They're, they've indicted him on tax evasion. So they've got everything teed up, and I think you'll just see it's kind of just fade away unless he really makes the move to become the forerunner in the uh, next primary. If he is, you're going to see all this come out after him. You'll see him indicted. You'll see all this stuff going on, which to me is very dangerous for freedom in our country because, they're again, they're attacking somebody that they're afraid of. <clears throat> and... Um, you know, I just see that happening. And I hope I hope I'm wrong on that. You know, I like I believe in our system more so than these dunderheads that are running it right now. Well, that's another spin they're trying to put on this. And I've seen this in responsible uh, uh, media outlets. Even the journal, I think, addressed this that, well, one positive thing we can look at. Uh, I'm quoting, paraphrasing <laughs> from memory. One positive thing we can look at uh, from that's come out of the January 6th um, committee is that our institutions worked, you know, by golly, you know, the electoral college wasn't uh, challenged by Pence. Uh, and this has become the spin now. And what I am trying to suggest is the same thing you are. Hey, this ain't over. This is just one more bullet in the, in the magazine that they put if they need it, you know, and that is if Trump becomes a serious threat, um, they'll pull this out. And then you'll see, that's what, see, to, to, to lock down time and say, well, now that this has reached its conclusion, which is wrong, it hasn't reached its conclusion, only if it's not needed, and the way it wouldn't be needed is if Trump faded away, but if Trump stays a threat, then they'll need this and more, and they'll have it. So right. I think even the journal has got it wrong. Yeah, they do. And you know, there was an insurrection and that insurrection or the coup was the Democratic Party going after Trump and the deep state. I mean, you're not going to convince me of anything different on that. 
Um, again, there's too many, there's too much information out there that, um, you know, points to where the real coup was. And it was to get Donald Trump out of here. All the, the nefarious illegal things they did, the wiretapping. Nobody talks about the wiretapping that was approved under President Obama. You know, that's been washed away. Nobody talks about that. That was an illegal move, you know, and it was all based on false allegations of collusion between Trump and Russia. Um, again, it's, it's, it's a dark day in America's history uh, for our republic. Well, and to the extent to which the tech platforms that we've talked about have uh, participated in this. Um, and I'm an example of that because all we're doing right now is discussing uh, what's going on in the culture. And but the tech platforms would not let this discussion really get amplified in any way, shape, or form. We know that. Over at the bottom of the hour here uh, uh, on our Ward Scott files, I'm checking your chat line, uh, listening to some of the things you want us to talk about. Yes, uh, woke is all over the world. Maybe Jackie will talk about woke when we get back with Ted. It's really a phenomenon that is, uh, it's really infiltrated every. This is another thing we haven't talked about to the extent to which it has affected the institutions and corrupted them. Uh, maybe we can talk about it in a moment. Uh, we'll have a break here for the sponsors and the weather. We'll come back and I'll talk about a couple of interesting things. Niagara Falls has actually frozen over. Be right back in just a moment. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Woodall Man Cave in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida. And we're warming up a little bit here. Uh, probably get into a decent kind of afternoon here, uh, contrary to what we've had, which has also been decent if you like cold weather, of course, but we'll be a little warmer today. Uh, there is a northward, this is ironic, we were talking about how much folly there is in politicians trying to control the weather. Uh, they should start with the jet stream, because now there's going to be a northward bulge in the jet stream from the plains to the Atlantic coast that's all of a sudden going to hit Chicago and St. Louis and all these places that have been covered up with snow and icy weather with a warm snap. 
and whiplash them around to about another uh, a, a rapid ascent of the temperature rather than a descent. But meanwhile, I ran across this in the research on the weather. Uh, I've never heard of this before. I'm assuming it has happened, though, that Niagara Falls is uh, partially, I guess it couldn't be entirely, but almost entirely frozen. And it's um, breathtaking to see these things like that, they say. It's, uh, of course, 25 miles uh, you know, it's in the deadly area of the blizzard, uh, Buffalo, New York, and, and uh, the falls are frozen. They've almost never frozen completely because of the sheer volume of water that goes over them. Uh, but the U.S. side of the falls has reached the point of freezing five times in history. Uh, the ice then blocks the flow of water farther up the river and creates effectively a dam and reduces the volume of water to the site. That's how it happens. And it's a uh, particularly unusual. Uh, it's nearly impossible for the falls to freeze completely. And uh, nevertheless, uh, we've got uh, authorities banning walking out here to see the Niagara Falls because it's too dangerous. Meanwhile, uh, out in the western part of the country, of course, all of a sudden they're going to be whiplashed. They're going to be deluged with rain now, and this is going to cause flooding. And they're going to, have, of course, they've done so many things wrong out there, clear cut their forests and uh, this, that, one another, and dammed up the rivers and, and uh, argued with the ranchers about who gets the water, the cities or the ranchers. I'm sure uh, Ted knows that story. Uh, but um, we're going to expect, get this, two to six inches of rain coming soon, and close to five million people in Seattle and Portland, Oregon, are under high wind or uh, warnings with sustained winds reaching up to 30 per hour, miles per hour and gusts up to 60. So this is in Portland area, heavy downpour, flooded roads and rivers and power outages. So they're gonna have power outages first from the cold. And now when they get the power on, they'll have power outages from the whiplashing weather and the wind. So there you are, that's nature. And you know, whenever you see these t-shirts that say save the planet, you're really looking at Hubris. Hubris is a Greek word that means man trying to assume the properties of the immortals. The mortal man can't assume ever the properties of the immortals or obviously he'd live forever. So for us to assume that we can control that which we have no control over, uh, we can't even extend our lifespan in a significant measure. Uh, it's purely pure folly. And what those T-shirts should say, I've always said, Ted, is don't save the planet, save man's niche on the planet. That's really what he's talking about. And that's not going to happen because if you take a look, um, things come and go, you know, and uh, cultures flourish and cultures uh, disappear. It's always marvelous whenever you see sometimes uh, at the bottom of a desert, a boat discovered. So, right. <laughs> I think they said that over 90% of the species that have ever lived on the planet have gone extinct. And so, you know, it's just the cycle of the of the universe, I guess. But I agree with you. You know, I was thinking about you talking about the flooding up there or the potential flooding in Niagara Falls uh, freezing over. I was born in Minnesota um, and we lived right on the Mississippi River. I'm 67. So I remember the river icing up and about every third or fourth spring, there would be massive floods that would get in the bottom of our our uh, basement and do all this damage. That was 60 years ago and it still it goes on today and I can't say it's any worse. Uh, and it happens here where I live now. And it's been doing this for eons. And, you know, like you said, we should protect our niche on the planet and be good stewards with the resources we have and we'll get better with them over time. Yeah, that stewardship is what's been lost and responsibility yeah, yeah. for. Uh, that requires leadership. We've talked about it. We have an absence. We, the, the world is just too temporal for most people. They're immediately concerned with the immediate moment. And uh, I mean, really, I mean, that's the way I see it, Ted. We no, that's have... a good segue to go into wokeism. Like yeah. We're talking before the break. <laughs> well, take that's off perfect. on wokeism because I've got my opinions, but I want to hear you and how you see all this stuff. Uh, it's like, where did it come from? I mean, who who designs this stuff and puts it out there in the media? I've never heard anybody before. I'll take that back because I have heard people be offended. I was up at a fishing lodge in Canada and there was a lady serving our tables. 
and she'd pour coffee. I'd say, thank you, ma'am. And she'd bring something else. Thank you, ma'am. And after about the third day, she slammed that coffee pot down and says, <laughs> I'm not your damn ma'am. <laughs> and I just started laughing. I said, excuse me, ma'am. I said, where I come from, that's a sign of respect. <laughs> and she started laughing. Uh, but I've never heard anybody, if you addressed them, yes, sir, no, sir, like in the military, wants to get rid of yes, sir, no, sir. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've just never heard that being an issue. I mean, so I don't think the masses are bringing this up. It's, again, that controlling elite that wants to get people to fall into order. And it goes into the government mandates of a mask, um, you know, vaccines. If you don't get vaccinated, you're killing everybody else. So much garbage or lies that have come out of this, not just this administration, um, that they're they're trying to control you. And wokeism is another one. And the ESG that we've talked about before. And I'm so happy that Governor DeSantis has gone after the retirement plans that are not investing in companies that are ESG, uh, the environmental, social, and governance models that these elites are putting out there that should really not even play into what we do. I mean, that's not the majority mindset out there. Well, I, th- I have a, a response to where it started. And I think it Good. started in the universities, in the academic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it started there. And having been in that area most of my life, what happens in these universities is you, you write and then you want to get published. Yeah. So you get published if you, because you need to be published to get the reputation, to get the advancement, to get this and that one another. And so you write that which you think will get published. And that which gets published in my book has been corrupted because it's that which is the prevalent idea, not the objective look. Uh, And the the guys who look at it are people like you or like what you want to be, because they're going to rule on your advancement. Right. And so you tailor your thinking. Well, let's put it this way. That which would challenge their accepted uh, editorial interests would not be accepted, you see, even though it might be valid. A lot of very good things don't get published because they don't fit the editorial fashion of the publication. And then, of course, you get tenure and you get advancement and you get into the administration and you begin to perpetuate it. There, I know firsthand, and if you were to go out on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board sometime and take a look at our posts, I have examples of how much wokeism is in the University of Florida. Uh, there is testimony out there, which we have on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board, supplied me by a mole inside of all places, the music department. You would not think it'd be there. Music the music, Ted, the music and the dance department, okay, really? which has a black dean, which is saying that ballet is too European. You follow? And supplanting the dance instruction with African dances, which the Black Dean wants to argue, are evidence, the absence of them in the music department and the people who teach them and, uh, and dance them is evidence of the slave master mentality of the university. Wow. Did you follow that? Yeah, I did. And I, I did not know that, but that woke That's on, we've got that publicly displayed at Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. Is that right? I mean, there again, I don't think that's the massive bringing this up. It's the elites bringing it down and the professors at the university. Um, you, you know, we see it in the med school where they're teaching uh, all the equity stuff. I'll clean yeah. that up. All the equity stuff. Uh, they're bringing that up. And, um, you know, they're teaching that to your, your first year med students all the way through when they graduate in a residency. And it skews really public opinion or free thought, I guess it it skews, because I want to fit in so I can advance, like you were saying. I want to get the tenure. I want to do these things. So I'm going to change my beliefs, not maybe internally, but what I espouse in the public opinion, because I don't want to be tainted in my chances of advancement. And um, I think that's a very dangerous way. 
And that, again, goes back to, I think, a number nine in the grievances against King George. Um, and so we're repeating history here in America. Um, I've got something I want to add on, but I don't want to, I don't want to say it right now. <laughs> well, let me give you a good example, if you will, too, of this. Fox is retiring, of course, as the president of the U.S. He's condoned all this. He's looked the other way during all this. I've talked to people who are very frustrated, who retired from the music and art and dance department. And the only way to get rid of this dean is to promote the dean. You see, if you try to remove the dean, you will be accused of guess what? Yeah, racism. But the only way, this is another thing, is to promote the dean. And then get somebody in there who will change the tune. But look at the uproar that's come as a result of getting, how do you say his name, Sassy? Is that the way you say his Ben uh, Sass. Ben Sass, yeah. And as the president, who's going to be taking office, I think, in January. Uh, he's just absolutely uh, upset him. And what I've tried to take the position with, listen, you better have a guy who's got some rapport with the Florida legislature because that's where the money comes from and the last thing you want is somebody rubbing the florida legislature the wrong way with wokeism because then you can find yourself on the short end of that well maybe the hind tit as they say in the country yeah yeah yeah. um i'm sure you're going to have a lot of people say what's that mean (laughs) oh yeah well yeah well explain it to them you can explain it to them i mean you know the high tent is the, the runt. It has to be pushed down there. That's right. Um, Talking about sound. So, so, so how do we, so what do we do? We can, we can talk about problems, wokeism, all these things, all the things that are going on or the, the investigations that are going to happen that probably won't lead to anything, the uproar over the border. What do we do as citizens to get your government to pay attention and, you know, we don't want a revolution, um, but we have to have action that we can do in force that'll get the government's attention and say, wait a minute, we do need to correct course here. And that's going to be up to us, the people, to do something like that. Um, you know, if not, we're just going to sit there, complain and moan. I was going to put that other word in there. Complain <laughs> moan about how bad things are. And we all know that. I want to know what we're going to do about it. Well, I think uh, in the state of Florida, we really got a governor who is doing something about it. You know, he uh, really is doing a great job. I, I'm impressed with what he's done, especially when he went after the retirement accounts that were all, they're only going to vote, uh, uh, invest in the ESG companies. And he goes, no, that has no place in our investment strategy. Well, there are a couple other things he's doing that I think will really and the Supreme Court has backed him, Florida Supreme Court has let, backed him up on it. He's going to try to get to the bottom as best he can of what is the truth about COVID vaccines, you know. And, you know, and, and if it's done properly and you actually have a real thorough uh, uh, ivermectin, does that work? You know, I don't know. Maybe you know. But all these things are out there coming through. Twitter shuts some of them down and, sure. won't, you know, won't let you talk about them. And so I think that's one thing he's doing which is really bold. I don't know of any other state that's doing that. I don't either. And that, I thought that was a very good move on this. And that's going to play into the national scene when he runs for president. And I think he will run for president. Um, but, I mean, those things need to be looked at, and they really need to be scrutinized. And I would think the media would be all over that, other than that they're more of a arm of the Democratic Party or the the people that want to fundamentally change America. You know, the, it, it's the Joseph Goebbels of um, of Hitler's regime that is putting out false information and Fauci's the worst on that. Um, and so I'm glad Ron's doing that because it really need, does need to be looked at. The other thing he's done, I'm sure you're aware of it, he's going down to take a look at this drag queen show. Did you know about this, Ted? I didn't know he was going down there. I wouldn't have to go I mean, down you know, there. He's, he's investigating. Just, he's, not, he's not going down there, but he's investigating where their children's there. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and I got, you know, that's what governor do you know, you know, would go after that? You know, he's I don't know. You know. Um, but again, I think that's something good. to Bring it to light. I don't think any of us are against that, but I don't think that should be promoted in my libraries that are getting public funding 
that my children are going to be our, our children. When I say my children, children of our state are going to be exposed to. I don't think that has anything to do with that's something. If a parent wants to take them there, take them there. It's your child. Um, of course, that's debatable nowadays whose child it is. Um, but I'm glad he's doing that because it's going it, to that's going to be an issue. And again, I don't know how big the transgender population is, uh, but the Constitution already protects the rights of people. And um, no, I'm glad he's doing it. Well, you make a very good point too. I mean, it's it's the uh, the, the child with the parents. So, but anyway, looking into it, even daring to look into it, is an interesting challenge. Um, yeah, that'll be very controversial and people are going to use that against them in the, the next election. And I'm not, I'm not for censorship in any way, shape or form, but I am against the politicalization of thought. And yeah. um, that is something that I think is what we're really talking about. When we talk about censorship, we're talking about uh, quieting any uh, voice that dissents to the acceptable national narrative, which as we know, being controlled by those who want to fundamentally transform America. And uh, that is anything that doesn't comport with that has really been uh, spread throughout the institution. So back to kind of the segue began the discussion is for the journal, which is usually a very responsible place to read uh, articles, takes the position that the institution survived out of the January 6th, showed that, no, you can't draw that conclusion yet because um, we're not finished. You know, this is a moving target. And the deep state hasn't been uh, effectively, um, how shall we say it, uh, demilitarized, you know. Right. And I don't it's know if more so. It's becoming more so. Um, you look at who's running the military now. I mean, I know the commander in chief is the ultimate, but you look at your Lloyd Austins and all these people and the wokeism going in there and the Marines coming out saying that they're not going to use sir and ma'am anymore. Um I think we've gone way too far on this. And had those election laws not been changed, I think there would have been a big red wave. And I think that's, you know, the Republicans can have all the investigations they want, but they better get at the meat of the problem or the heart of the problem. And that is unrolling some of these things that the Democrats have done. Um, you know, poll funding from these universities that are pushing what you were talking about with the dance at, uh, at the uh, uh, University of Florida. You know, why why go after ballet and saying it's bad because it's European, but African dance is OK. You know, why not have both of them there and let the let the public determine that, not some um, somebody that has an agenda um, that is trying to change the traditions of this country. Um, I would recommend for your listeners that book I'm reading uh uh, Liberty, if we can keep it. Or no, actually, it's called "If You Can Keep It" by Eric Metaxas, I think it is. Um, and it, it goes into the, the heart and soul of how America came about, how we came together, um, not just as thirteen colonies, but as people, as Americans. And it was the first time they started thinking of each other as Americans. The other thing we want to take about talk about because this has come up as we've been, as we've been talking. Um, is Ukraine and yep. defense spending. You were there probably more so than anyone I personally know involved with our foreign activities. And uh, you've been all over the world practically looking at these things. What's your take on, uh, my feeling is that, well, the Journal Today has a very lengthy article about uh, Putin having a reality check. He's insulated himself with yes people. Yeah, uh, right. He's not heard any of the things he doesn't want to hear about how the war was going. And now he's saber-rattled, of course, threatening to use nuclear weapons. We all know that he'll come out on the short end of that pretty quickly. And it's starting to impress him that perhaps he hasn't been getting the right information. Yet, you know, there's so many paradoxes of this. We leave all those weapons on the tarmac in Afghanistan, yet... Now we send many more to Ukraine. I understand the difference. Uh, Ukraine is a European entity, if you will. Um, are you uh, see anything here that we don't see about this check, you know, this writing this check uh, to 
to the Russian. Yeah, it's interesting because when I I just got back from D.C. a week and a half ago, and that came up. You know, one of the Republican congressmen I was talking with um, said he thought it was a cheap investment for America to bring Russia down to uh, knock them out of the super uh, superpower category. And if we could do it for $65 million, it was a, or $65 billion, it was a cheap investment instead of putting our young men and women in harm's way. Um, and I'm thinking, I don't know if it really knocked them out of the superpower category. It's weakened them, no doubt. But, you know, they've got the second largest arsenal of nuclear weapons that we know of. You know, we don't know what China has. We don't know what North Korea has or Pakistan or India. Uh, or any other country that may have them. But it's assumed that Russia had the second highest amount of these. So uh, they still have a tremendous nuclear arsenal. So I don't know how much we weakened them as a superpower. But I agree with you. I've heard that he, hit, he Putin, has surrounded himself with yes-men, and the reality check is coming. Um, and, you know, their argument, I mean, there's arguments on both sides of this. One is that America is at fault for causing this because we are putting pressure on these countries to join NATO. In my experience, when we were up there, those countries were asking to join NATO, whether it was Ukraine or some of the uh, Baltic countries that wanted to join, that would strengthen the membership in NATO, which is the strongest deterrent against you know aggression in that area. But you have to go back to the Trump era. NATO was a just uh, a namesake, pretty much. Yeah, we had, they had armament and they had things like that, but it was very underfunded and we were doing the majority of the funding until Trump came along. And so it became a stronger entity. And so I think Putin saw this, but you have to keep in mind who's trying to invade Russia. I don't know any country that wants to invade Russia. I don't know anybody that wants to invade China or North Korea, yet these people that are in charge of these countries are saying they have to do these things to ward off American and aggression. I don't see us aggression uh, aggressing on anybody uh, or bullying anybody. It's just um, our foreign policy is way off and it needs to be redirected. And th- and this Congress won't do it. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna go into investigations and tell you how bad Biden did this and that. And I think the American people are are fed up with that. They want a government that says. Let's let's secure the border. Let's get our debt under control, because those are the things that are really affecting this country. Well, the Ted Yoho here, we just got a couple more minutes with Ted. Let's talk just for one last moment here about um, um, a kind of continuing mystery. Who's going to be the Speaker of the House? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, <laughs> I wish I was good at predicting. If so, I would <laughs> be in Las Vegas. <laughs> Um, Kevin McCarthy is one that has everybody's talking about, but I think Kevin would be the wrong one. He will, he will talk about the things that they're going to do. They're going to have investigations at the border. And you and I have talked about this. I don't need investigations at the Southwest border. I need the border secure and, um, I need, you know, our debt under control and they'll talk about what they're going to do in that two year window of that Congress goes by so quick that, their inactions and ability to accomplish long-term problems or solutions for those problems, um, they'll come up in the next election and say the Republicans can't lead and or can't govern. And um, so my vote is not for Kevin McCarthy. It would be for Andy Biggs. And I would like to see somebody like a Kevin Hearn, <clears throat> who is the chairman of the Republican Study Committee, somebody like him that's very business oriented he's just very pragmatic and he'll he could lead that conference and there's a couple other people like that well when's this going to come to a head ted they got to make a decision when <clears throat> it'll come on their first day back in congress they're going to have to vote on the house floor um for their for the next speaker and you know they just need to have that working so I, I don't know i'm not in i haven't heard what's going on on the inside. I've been out of there for a week and a half. Last I heard, they were thinking Tom Cole out of Oklahoma, who's a very, a very uh, mainstream Republican. You know, he goes along with the party, never goes against the party. But I think he could build a consensus that would be stronger than Kevin McCarthy's. 
Uh, I would like to see somebody, like I said, uh, Kevin Hearn get up and run. Well, um, find out here, it, it, it gets played out that first day back in Congress. They have to make the vote. And if Kevin doesn't have enough votes, um, they'll have to go to, to the second round or third round. And I'm sure by the second or third round, you'll know. But I, I would ask any legislatures that may hear this, that there is a reason Kevin stepped down the last speaker's race. And that reason hasn't gone away. And that was something that uh, was personal indiscretions. And, you know, he's scarred for life on that. And is that somebody you want running and leading the Republican Party? That's what your representatives have to decide. Well, thanks for coming in on Wednesdays, Ted. It's always something to look forward to. And a lot of people sure. do it. We've got Go a ahead. lot of numbers with you. And hope you have a good New Year. Hope to see you right after the New Year. And, We're going to have a great New Year. Yeah. And um, you know, you'll uh, enjoy yourself and you and your family. And well, we've been talking with Ted Yoho, who's been a, who's uh, comes on Wednesdays with us. Really fortunate to have this discussion to share with you all. And hopefully you'll take uh, our conversations and and uh, see what you can do with it and participate in the process. So have a great uh, have a great New Year's, Ted. Thanks so much for coming on. See you next year, buddy. Warhol Command Center out.